Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. TNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details. On the record, on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. Today is February the 20th and on this day in 1742, a full 280 years ago, an architect who would come to define an age in Irish history was born. Dublin is his city from the Custom House to the Four Courts to King's Inns and there are traces of his work found in other places too including in Leash and Waterford. But despite coming to represent a golden age, James Gandon was not without his critics. In fact, there were riots against his first building and when the revolution came he had to flee the country and many of his great works have been permanently altered, not all of them for the better, uh, by the course of Irish history too. Uh, Donald Fallon has uh, come back after dusting himself down from the building sites of all the James Gandon uh, yeah. works. <laughs> and, and the revolution we're talking about today is 1798 by the way. Okay. But I'm thinking, <laughs> God, this guy lived for a long, long time. That well, would have been very impressive. There have been many revolutions but 1798 is what we're talking about in quite a lot of ways uh, the story of 18th century Ireland Donald really an awful lot centres on London yeah many revolutions all, all romantic and brief unfortunately but yeah the story of 18th century Ireland is very much focused on if it's focused on one great metropolis you could argue it's it's London and, and not Dublin you know a new Bond Street in London it's the height of fashion even today uh, it sits between Oxford Street and Piccadilly and it's probably fitting that one of London's foremost and in-demand streets should be the birthplace of, of, of James Gandon, mm. uh, an architect who brought the style and we might even say the swagger of 18th century London uh, to Dublin. Mm. And we were eager you know, to replicate them in any way that we could. Emulating London was the great ambition of so many here. Mm. And I love the words of Jonathan Swift. He wrote that if you have London still at heart, we'll make a small one here by art. The difference is not much between St. James's Park and Stephen's Green. Lovely. Not sure if I agree with Swift, but the idea no. of creating a miniature of yeah. that great metropolis was the ambition of so many people. Yeah, there are little bits of, of uh, what you might call imperial architecture dotted around the place. And that, that's really what he was bringing. And even if we didn't want to be part of empire, we didn't want to be part of a union, at least the idea of having their architecture was something that uh, appealed to many. Uh, the belief amongst the wealthy here was that they had actually managed to do that and to emulate a, a little London. Yeah, by population, the, the Dublin of 1744, so you know, around the middle of the 18th century, it was the 11th largest city in Europe at 112,000 people. We were bigger than Berlin, for example. Uh, and it was finding its feet. You know, We were the epicentre of Irish politics, manufacturing, the social life of the elite. And I suppose you wanted an architecture, a built landscape that, that reflected that. Mm. And one resident, plenty of hyperbole in this, I hope, said that Dublin had gone from the lowest ebb of wretchedness and contempt 
to almost the summit of elegance. Isn't that extraordinary? You know, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. And there was still poverty in tragic abundance, mm. you know. But at the top of society, there was a belief in the 18th century that Dublin was kind of finding its groove in, in planning, in, in architecture, in the streetscape. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty striking that someone who's like, oh, we're at the summit of elegance, ignoring the like the <laughs> abject poverty that a lot of people are still living in. We've, we've talked on this slot before about Sir John Gray and bringing running water to Dublin, and that was, that was not something that was commonplace later, yeah, around right, the time. Right. Uh, James Gandon br- uh, begins as an understudy then to another architect, and that other uh, architect has a big impact on his thinking and on his style. Yeah, I mean, G- Gandon is, his background is really interesting. He's the grandson of a French Huguenot refugee in London. And he kind of first emerges under the stewardship of a guy called Sir William Chambers, who's a, a really defining architect for 18th century London. And when people might not recognise that name, William Chambers, a lot of people listening will, will know his work to see. We pass by it all the time. And if you love that shortcut, which I do, and we're just thankfully back open, you know, mm. One of the signs for me that normality was coming back to life was seeing the front gate of Trinity open. Oh. <laughs> and you know when you cut through from College Green to Nassau Street? Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know if it's a shortcut, but it's a nicer walk anyway. It, it feels probably like it's probably longer actually because yeah. of all you have to walk around the exam hall and, and all of that. That It's probably not quite as the crow flies, a shorter journey. Yeah, you pay for the architecture, yeah. you know. And when you walk through <laughs> it... Including the, the arts block with its yeah, Soviet brutalism. The, the, yeah. the most loved building on campus is there, the chapel of, of Trinity College. And on the other side, the most hated building on, on campus, the examinations yeah. hall. They're both designed by... By this guy William Chambers it's stunning okay, right. I don't know how many times I'd walked through before I stopped and looked and went oh yeah I get it now you know they're identical mm. every every little external feature sorry so, so the chapel and the exam hall are yeah, yeah every, every little external okay. feature there's mirror because as someone who went to, to, to Belfield much like yourself and you sort of get used to the, the Soviet brutalism yeah. of the 1970s <laughs> yeah. you, you don't get to take a lot of that in yeah when... it's, it's certainly one thing to be envious of when you're <laughs> out there when you're out there in Belfield uh, and a biographer of Gandon very, very strong choice of words here uh, hate is quite the word but he talks about the influence of William Chambers and Gandon. He says, like his master, he hated the Greeks, admired the Romans, and looked to the French. The Romans bit actually that, that makes a lot of sense when you think back at, at some of the, the hallmarks of, of the works that we'll come to talk about in a minute. Um, when Gandon shows up in Dublin, uh, he is 40, which by Georgian standards now is, is pretty much an old man. Um, so that suggests that he had either been a bit of a failure in other places or that he had turned down work in a lot of other places to come to Ireland. Yeah, you did incredibly well making it into your 60s, you know, for much of the Georgian age. So he's in his, he's 40 years of age when he arrives uh, in, in, in Dublin. And he's a very in-demand figure, you know, he's he's... Uh, sought by the Romanov family in St. Petersburg the year before he comes to Dublin and, and he turns that down. So, right. you know, you could say that, you know, the Romanov family's loss was was Dublin's gain. But what lures him here in 1781 is a big, big job, which is a new custom house uh, on, on the River okay. Liffey. And John Beresford, who gives us Beresford Place, mm. he's the kind of key mover and shaker of the Georgian city. He's on the Wide Streets Commission uh, and he's the Commissioner of Revenue. He's the man who has the, the purse, if you will, and the, the power over the purse strings mm. to bring this, we won't say young in terms of age but still young in career architect uh, to Dublin. But there is one thing about the, the whole Customs House project and Beresford knows something which is key to this story which is that Customs House wasn't originally at the site that we now know it and people did not like the idea of Custom House moving as it was then out of the city centre. Yeah, so so think about the Clarence Hotel uh, on the other side of the river and further down, kind of yeah. towards Parliament Street, Cable Street. That's mm. the historic Custom House. So when you're building a new one, 
on the other side of the river, you're basically shifting the entire axis of the city mm. eastwards. And a lot of people are deeply unhappy with that because there's a, there's a belief that this will hurt their pockets, this yeah. will hurt their businesses. So, you but, know, anyone who's making their making their, their living, if you will, in the yeah. vicinity of the original custom house, they're really, really not quite happy with this. Well, it, it must have also, it must have felt like the, the whole centre of power in Dublin was being moved because that, that whole Christchurch area was the original medieval city centre. So this idea then that the, the commercial centre now is so far down, now basically down what we know as the IFSC. Yeah. It must have been just such a cultural oh. shift that, that the, the Christchurch bit was no longer the centre of town. Yeah, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say literally the, the entire axis of the city is being moved, you know, as far as people are concerned uh, with the custom house. And even before Gandon uh, leaves London for Dublin, he's basically forewarned that, you know, this is not popular. Mm. Uh, and Beresford tells him, uh, great secrecy must be observed. In other words, you know, there, there <laughs> so you're going to build this giant hall. Yeah, 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 and no gonna one's going to notice this massive building on the River Liffey, <laughs> yeah. right? But there'll be no gala dinner, basically. You know, there'll okay, be no welcoming right. banquet. Yeah. No one shall know that you're here. And, and he tells him the most desperate of the mob in Dublin are hostile to the new custom house uh, project. So you have to imagine, you know, how Gandon felt about mm. about all of this. He's kept a virtual prisoner by Perisford uh, when he arrives, and his biographer has written of the, this real fear. Gandon's suspicion of the whole project must have been heightened when he realised the opposition was so violent as to keep Beresford in a state of anxiety lest it became known that the architect had arrived. Uh, to the point where, uh, and this is the, the really grim bit, Beresford even has to make sure that Gandon is armed and has to warn him that it's not just like civil disquiet. There's the prospect of actual violence coming his way. Yeah, yeah. Georgian society is, is more violent you know, than the society we live in. There's a, there's a degree of kind of ritual violence on the streets of Dublin in, in all kinds of different ways. But even in Georgian times, it's most unusual for an architect to go to work with a sword. <laughs> and Gandon goes to work every day with a sword given to him by, by Beresford. I mean, he must have been like, what, what the hell is this? You know? yeah. And Beresford then warns him that the labourers in Dublin, not only do you have to contend with people not liking this place, but the lads who are building it might cause trouble too. You know, they're frequently turbulent and in the habit of combining together for increase of wages when works required quickness of execution. In other words... How dare they unionise? Don't let the workers know, you know, <laughs> that, they, that, we're, that we're in trouble here. And then the inevitable happens on a September morning in 1781... Uh, the site of the custom house is breached by basically a mob led by James Napper Tandy, who's a popular figure amongst the city's working class, kind of regarded as the voice of the workers okay. uh, in Dublin. Later, a very prominent United Irishman, a friend of Napoleon. Yeah. But he's a real wow. force in kind of street politics. He kind of feels that most politics happens on the, on, on the streets. And the press report on him arriving down at the construction site, I just love this news report, Followed by numerous rabble with shawls and shovels, Tandy's men came in a body onto the grounds and levelled the portions of the fence which had been thrown up adjoining the North Wall and River Liffey. So this is a, a, a riot of sorts on a building site. What a, what a welcome mm. for an architect to Dublin. And Beresford tells him, look, laugh at the extreme folly of the people. But the point had been made and, you know, Gandon didn't feel too welcome. Yeah, uh, we must actually do a bigger slot about James Napertandy because for those of us who think that he only lent his name to a pub on Marion Row, <laughs> for, for, <laughs> yeah. for those of us who work around those quarters, that there, there's a much deeper story to tap into there. Uh, and what makes all of this so odd, aside from the fact that um, people are, are causing ructions about the mere building of a building and it's not like it's, this isn't Wood Key where it's a site of, of architectural significance. This yeah. is just, we're putting up a building on a vacant site and that's already controversy. Um, but it's mad because the building is now so below of the city and seems so integral. It's adored. It's immediately recognisable. It's utilised in advertisements. You know that great annual Guinness ad, even in the home of the black stuff we dream of a white yeah, one every yeah. Christmas. It uses the custom house mm. to give a sense of place. And for me, when I spent some time in Belfast years ago as, as, a, as a student, I loved the custom house because I associate it with coming 
back into the city, you know, when you get the bus oh, down. Yeah, it's yeah. the first great Dublin building uh, that you see. You're pulling into Bosaurus. Pulling yeah. into Bosaurus. But Gandon went on to, to build incredible things, the forecourts, King's Inns, more besides. But he never really shook the controversy of the Custom House. I think it's very telling that when, when Rebellion came in 1798, you know, when, when, when Napper Tandy and his friends brought insurrection to mm. Ireland, Gandon just got out. You know, he, he just fled the city for a period. And he probably felt that you know, he was viewed as the architect of the existing order, you know, that he was society's favourite architect, if not the people's. So he did return. He died here in the 1820s, but by then Dublin had tumbled downwards quite considerably. Uh, He must have really properly taken to Ireland because you mentioned that uh, you'd be doing well in the Georgian age to reach 60 and then he he died at the age of 80 or 81, which is is so impressive feat aside from all of his architectural works. Um, His legacy, of course, is much more than Custom House, but sadly with the passage of time, a lot of it is not as he originally intended. Yeah, and you know, people in Leash might be shouting at the radio, what about us? Uh, Emo Court, which is stunning, you know, one of one of only a few private residencies that that he designed, but a really really beautiful piece of work. Uh, but the vast majority of Gandon's work is here, and there's a new exhibition in the Custom House that explores him and his contribution to the, to the built landscape. But the mm. point that was really well made by by the late Morris Craig still stands. Craig wrote that you know basically all his major works have been bombarded, burned, rebuilt, or added to, and it's pretty much impossible to see anything by this architect exactly as he would have wished. And if people want to see that with their own eyes, just walk down to the Custom House, have a look at it from across. Uh, the river, uh, the fire of 1921, of course, the last great uh, act of the, the revolution in Dublin, mm. when they were reconstructing it, they used Irish limestone and it was described as a dull contrast to the creamy whiteness of the rest of the building. You actually, so, so originally actually it was this see, kind of, this this like almost White House, this kind of shining beacon on a hill kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and you can you can see the difference even today from, from across the river when, when, when you look at it. So, you know, the forecourts, of course, took some of the worst damage of mm. the Civil War, yeah. much duller internally than, than in his day. But look, an architect designs a building, what happens after it and what happens around it is sadly beyond their control yeah. and Gandon proves that better than perhaps any architect in history. I, I might have said this to you uh, in recording some previous slots but there, there is a great irony and a lovely symmetry as to the fact that there was this fire uh, launched by the IRA at Custom House in 1921 and the minister who now governs down there, Dara O'Brien, um, there's always some speculation, I must get him on to talk about it someday, as to whether he is in fact directly descended from some of the IRA members who tried to ah. torch the building that he now runs, uh, which is a, a lovely little symmetry but that is the, the work of James Gandon born on this day 280 years ago uh, James Gandon the architect of the Custom House the Four Courts and beyond Donald Fallon is the author of Henrietta Street which I dare say is not a place that James Gandon ever did some architectural work in Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia which is a story of Dublin's gentrification through modern times as well as of course the presenter of Three Castles Burning which is a podcast about Dublin history which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online On the Record On News Talk Brought to you by PwC Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. DNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details.